Good morning and welcome to Moment of Truth on Element FM. You are listening in Toronto and Ottawa in Ottawa at 95.7 and in Toronto at 106.5. You can also be listening on the Radio Player Canada app if you download that app and type in 95.7 ELMNTFM or 106.5 ELMNTFM and you can listen anywhere across the country on your device of choice. Welcome to the show. We appreciate you joining us. We have a couple of guests lined up for today. We are going to have someone from the National Arts Centre. We're just lining that call up at the moment. And that person is uh, Lindsay Lachance, and she will be joining us on the line in a moment. But uh, also coming up at the bottom of the hour, in the half hour uh, point, we are going to have an in-studio guest. That guest will be a Mexican director, Marcela Ortega. And he has the film The Guardian of Memory. And uh, I, if I had a little more time to practice it, I might, I might try the Spanish uh, uh, in- introduction of that. But I'm not going to do that right at, at this moment. Maybe we'll do that later on. But I do believe we have uh, Lindsay Lachance on the line. Good morning, Lindsay. Are you there? Good morning. Hi. Thanks for having me. Well, thank you for joining us at such uh, last-minute <laughs> notice. We really appreciate that. Uh, I understand you're uh, calling from uh, Edmonton? Yes, I'm currently working um, at the University of Alberta on an Indigenous dramaturgy gathering. So we have lots of Indigenous playwrights and actors coming together and we're workshopping uh, some new works. Oh, nice. Is that something that might uh, might be rolled out or some some of those artists might participate uh, with the National Arts Centre at some future point? Yeah, exactly, absolutely. And I mean... A lot of uh, mentorship and um, developing new work is something that's a big priority for mm. Kevin and I and the team at the National Arts Centre, just to make sure that we really have, you know, our artistic leaders' voices shown, but also that we're able to support youth and, um, and other up-and-coming and emerging artists. Well, thank you for just mentioning Kevin and also the team, because I was going to ask you before we got into things, if you don't mind uh, sharing the names of the people that are on the team with you, because it looks like you've got a, a great Indigenous team of people uh, at the National Arts Centre, Indigenous, uh, is it an Indigenous arm? Is it? A, how would you describe that? Yes, awesome, and thanks for acknowledging the team, because it is very much so like a team effort and we're really happy and excited to have so many amazing people working together. So the Indigenous Theatre Department at the National Arts Centre is the newest full autonomous department within the, within the Arts Centre itself. Mm. So as we know, we have French Theatre, English Theatre, Dance, Orchestra, NAC Presents, and now we have Indigenous Theatre. Um, so Kevin Loring is the Artistic Director. I am the Artistic Associate. Laurie Marchand is the managing director. Amy Bracoupe is the Indigenous cultural resident. And Amy Ede is our marketing officer. So together we're like some kind of really cool land-based Power Rangers. We're just going to go with that now. <laughs> I was just going to say uh, uh, the Avengers or something like that. But uh, um, how long has the team been together now? We haven't all been together very long. Um, Kevin started just about a year and a half ago. And then Mari, um, the Indigenous cultural resident, uh, and then myself, and then uh, Lori, and then Amy just started really only about four months ago, I think. Mm. So um, especially from a marketing perspective, we were so, so happy to have her come in. And, you know, she's just helping to do so many awesome 
awesome aspects of making sure that we're seen and that we're fully understood and that our goals um, are reaching a, a wide mass of people. So there's some, some great excitement about this, and congratulations to you all, by the way, for this, uh, this new endeavor that you're taking on. And it, it's wonderful to see that they've done this and, 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 and got this new uh, branch uh, for Indigenous artists. Um, there's good news and there's bad news happening at this time, isn't there? I mean, you've, got a, you've, you've launched this new, uh, uh, the new, the new season today, I believe, and, but you've also had a, a, some setbacks, Yes, there's always, um, you know, we're starting up um, something new and that's difficult as well when you're um, dependent on um, external funding to Mm. some extent. So Mm. we're also just, we're really happy to be able to um, find different ways to express ourselves the best that we can. So even, for example, with the um, all the marketing materials and the brochures and the season um, images, we've been able to work with amazing um, Indigenous artists and filmmakers. Um, so, yeah, we're really happy about that, just to, like, expand that team a little bit more and to make sure that Indigenous theatre is also, like, expanding into the relationships that we have in these other disciplines. And so I think those are the exciting things um, for us, that we're always trying to make these connections between other Indigenous artists that are technically outside of the theatre world, but that they can come in to do the films or to do costume instead and, and that sort of stuff. So we're really mm-hmm. excited and thinking about, about those relationships right now at the forefront. Right. And I was just going to ask you, how do you see this, this, this new uh, department expanding and doing things differently uh, that might have been done in the past? I, I also wanted to ask you about... now. In some of the some of the material I've read, of course, you, as you mentioned, you had this setback with the the, the funding from uh, Canadian Heritage that that uh, uh, didn't come through with about three point five million dollars of your budget. Uh, correct. Uh, you'll have to just confirm um, where we're at with that with okay. uh, Lori, who's okay. the director. No worries. Um, I'm the I'm the creative. I'm the, I'm the <laughs> associate. I try to focus on like what I what I can do um, relationally. And again, like these sorts of opportunities, like I said, of working with the University of Alberta today mm. and why I'm in Edmonton this week is really because um, we, we really are trying to expand and move out of, you know, just creating and working on unseated Algonquin Anishinaabegaki and instead trying to bring the work like with and to our communities of artists that are working across the country. Mm. And for myself, that is like a, a major goal is just to make sure that our artists across the country are being seen and recognized and held up in any in any way that we can offer that right so can you can you uh tell us a little bit about uh, the new season what to expect and what people might be might be seeing yes it's such an exciting season we have lots of amazing matriarchal work we have a season full of Indigenous women artists and creators, um, and so that's really exciting. We have um, art that are being presented um, all in Ottawa this season, um, but they are representative of nations and communities, really from, as Kevin says, coast to coast to coast. So we have um, uh, Inuit artists presenting and performing works. We have folks from the West Coast, we have um, a bunch of different nations being represented, which is also a goal of us for our department as well, to make sure that 
folks can really understand and see that um, Indigenous theater means different things for different people. It looks different ways. It sounds different ways. And so we just wanted to try to um, be as welcoming and as inclusive as possible in this first year. And of course, we can't represent all, you know, 600 different communities in the country, but we're going to going to try her best. You're going to do your best, yeah, right. <laughs> That's quite an undertaking, I would say, to try and do that, uh, if, at least in the first season. <laughs> right, exactly. And uh, I believe the, the the first season is Mushkama? Uh, so it's Mushkamo, which Mushkamo, is okay. um, in a word that was gifted to us. Um, so Mari Brakupe was visiting with elders and community members at Kitigan ZB on a Schnabeg. And, um, yeah, she was able to ask permission um, to have us hold this um, festival that we're having in September and worked with the elders and community to figure out a word or a way that could best summarize um, our excitement for being a new department, our, um, you know, love and accountability to the nation on which we live and work, um, but also to try and embody this idea of being new, of trying to be exciting, of trying to keep, keep everybody, um, you know, like involved in the work that we're doing. And so Mushkamo is basically um, an offer that was given to us that means something beautiful rising up out of water. Mm. So for us, the festival being being called Indigenous Arts Rising was like, uh, we were so happy and very, very thankful to have that offer. And we really feel as though now we're accountable to making sure that we're going to do our best to um, to support all the artists um, who come out and work with us over the next few years. And what language is that? Do you know what that language, that word is taken from in language? It, yeah, it's Algonquin. It's Algonquin. Okay, great. Anishinaabe Moen, yeah. Okay, great. So um, now the other thing that I read in, and I'm not sure if you can expand on this because I know you said you're you're more on the creative end of things. But um, some of the material I read that um, that that the the government and I guess uh, uh, Canadian Heritage had had uh, put a lot of money into the National Arts Center in getting ready, I guess, for this new department as well. Do you know much about that? Was there specific um, things that were done to the National Arts Centre for your department in, in this upgrade? I'm not sure about those sorts of things because okay. I was, um, yeah, I've come from a, from a different um, <laughs> background than, than working, sure. uh, I guess, like in, in the budgetary. I have a PhD, so I'm like, I do not know. I'm an institution <laughs> at this time. Oh, you're going to get out with that one, are you? I got a PhD. Okay. So, listen, I, <laughs> um, I, want, I want to ask you, because when I look at the, at the opening uh, ceremonies and, and when this t- takes place, September 12th to the 29th of t- 2019, correct? Correct. So, I mean, it, it has some, some of the things I would expect. Uh, of course, it talks about a grand entry. It talks about uh, uh, free family cultural activities, artistic talks, indigenous culinary experience. Uh, now, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. It is, of course, we always have to have food. But um, what, are you, what are you thinking in terms of how to bring that element into it, especially when it's an arts center? I expect it has to have some arts flavor, uh, if you pardon the mm-hmm. pun to it. <laughs> nice. Um, yeah, well, we have 
uh, amazing colleagues at the National Arts Centre, so the folks, um, Nelson in particular, who run food and beverage at the National Arts Centre, have been really interested in really everybody from every department at the NAC is really interested in collaborating, um, especially for Mushkimo. And so Mm. that's really exciting. And so Nelson has brought in, I don't know if folks remember the show, Cooking with the Wolf Man on Mm. APTN. Mm -hmm. Um, So we have um, Chef Francis coming in to host different culinary experiences throughout uh, the festival. And so that is going to be really exciting for us. And there'll be, um, you know, like kind of private paid dinners and also other sorts of, um, of like food that's available throughout the festival. And um, we also have the Indigenous uh, pricing tickets for our shows, which we're really excited about. So any self-identifying Indigenous person can come to the NAC or buy online, and they have uh, $15 tickets to any of our shows, which, um, you know, sometimes price is a big barrier. I know for us growing up um, specifically, it would have been really hard to try to get a family um, of us, even me and my brother and one of my parents, to go to see a show at the NAC because sometimes the, the tickets are expensive. So, yeah, it was a priority for us to make sure that if we're going to be offering um, so many uh, Indigenous cultural experiences or performances or talks or conversations or workshops, that we just wanted to make sure that folks knew that, um, that Indigenous folks knew that this work was for them as well and that they're more, like, so welcome to come and just trying to do our best to make sure that it's, it's available for, for anybody and everybody. That's a very nice gesture. It's a nice thing to hear. And I'm sure that uh, many people will appreciate that. Yeah, we hope so. Mm-hmm. So, um, other things listed here, and I'm just wondering if we can expand on some of those uh, the indigenous music showcases. That, that will that just be part of the, you know, the, the 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 presentation, the stage presentation, or that is that going to be break off areas that will be used for live performancing? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's, um, again, like ticketed events that um, we have collaborated with Heather Gibson from NAC Presents. And Mm. so she, um, their department runs um, programming as well. And Heather has always been programming um, Indigenous musicians. So this is not not new for her, but just exciting that we get to sort of collaborate and merge um, things together. So all of that information is on the website with dates and times, and those performances will be both on the fourth stage, which is a smaller um, kind of intimate performance stage, mm. as well mm. as Southam Hall, the bigger one, um, where, you know, like Buffy and Susan Aglukark will be there as well. And for folks who are in the Ottawa area are planning to come uh, for the festival, which we hope that lots of people come through for that, We'll also have free noon hour public programming, um, and at least two of those sessions during the week will be music showcases. So we'll have musicians performing for free um, during lunch hour. So I'm mm. really excited about that. Yeah, that's great. Now, a virtual reality experience. Mm, that sounds interesting. Mm-hmm. I know, isn't it? Just <laughs> sounds wonderful. <laughs> yeah, again, and, and I think this is an example for us where, where we're trying to explain Band ideas around storytelling, around Indigenous storytelling, um, mm. and different ways that we can manifest that. 
So a part of the virtual reality work is just to make sure that, um, you know, we're claiming space in the NAC itself, uh, but also that we're just introducing um, communities and youth and other artists to different ways to tell their stories. So to find different mediums um, to do that work, whether that's on stage, whether that's with new media or technology. So so when you just, you mentioned this, and because you're on the creative side of things, I'm just wondering, do you feel that technology and the advancement of technology, such as we just mentioned about virtual reality uh, and, and technology in general, is making it easier for our stories to be told in a way that, that represents those stories with more, um, uh, uh, with a more appropriate a way of, of presenting them? Um, I personally love the integration of like media, new media, new technologies into theater and storytelling or into um, any kinds of performance, really. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the reasons why it's so interesting um, and special with Indigenous storytelling is because it actually continues to break down stereotypes or push these boundaries and saying, you know, Indigenous arts, Indigenous storytelling is really um, however the creator or the artist feel it's best suited to express themselves. Mm. So um, I'm working on a play right now where we have a, a, a digital dramaturg projectionist, so someone who really helps to create the story um, based purely on projections. Or, mm. for example, you have Tara um, Began and Andy Morrow, who run Article 11, a really amazing um, theater company that's now based out of Calgary. And they work so much with film and media and projections. And again, it's kind of, it's a way for folks, I think, to better express the cultural and the spiritual and the traditional teachings and knowledges that they carry into their work in a more visual and contemporary way. Mm. So I love that because I feel like when we're able to integrate medias, we're able to see different aspects of cultural identity. We're able to see different aspects of, um, you know, the sort of intangible spiritual world that sometimes, sometimes we might not get if, if we just stand and deliver. Mm. Um, so if you've just joined us or if you've been listening to the show and you're not who you're not sure who has been is on the line with us, we have uh, Lindsay Lachance and she is the artistic associate at the NEC uh, Indigenous uh, Department and she has kindly joined us on the air. Um, Lindsay, I have one more question for you. We, uh, we're going to, to uh, take a, a, a pause uh, soon and go to our other guest uh, because we have someone waiting in the wings that uh, we have lined up. I wanted to ask you this question, though. You know, a lot of, a lot of, of what is going on these days has to do uh, with, with post-Truth uh, reconcil- uh, and Reconciliation Commission and also uh, just the awareness and reclamation, you know, um, cultural reclamation and, and a lot of that stuff that is going on, the resurgence, as mentioned in some of the materials that you guys are putting out as well. I'm just wondering, when do you think that we might be able to get to the point where we don't need to refer to our, our works in, the, in that way anymore and it's just, it's just good work? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> um, I, think, I think it's going to be 
like, you know, to each their own and everyone will have a different perspective or response to that. For myself, I think that um, the artistic work that I'm involved in and am interested in is always to some extent like a part of the continuation or the revitalization of Indigenous artists having a, a, a deeply truthful and accountable love for their families, for their communities, and and for their traditional homelands. Mm. And so I think when we talk about resurgence specifically, we are really referring to that. So we're really just looking to the ways in which we find ways to love and honor our families, to love and honor the stories that we carry with us. And so resurgence and revitalization in in this context within Indigenous theatre, especially at the National Arts Centre, I think is really about that, is making sure that um, you know, as Kevin said, there's one foot on the community, one foot on the land, on the mm. stage. Mm-hmm. So that we're able to take the knowledges and the stories that we carry with us and to share them, um, both with Indigenous uh, audiences and communities who might need to to hear those things or to be reminded of those things, to have that resurgence shared with them. And also for, for mainstream Canadian audiences as well, for folks to know that that we have a lot of um, a lot of amazing, funny, truthful, deep stories and connections to the land that that we want to share. Nicely said. Nicely said. I I like that. And what a great place for us to uh, to leave this conversation at the moment, uh, Dr. Lindsay Lachance. I want to say uh, and Wanishi for joining us today. We really appreciate your time. And how's the weather out there in, in Edmonton, by the way? <laughs> it's been snowing in Edmonton all week. So. Uh. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I well, hear it's raining in Toronto. So yeah, yeah, it's it's not that much warmer. Uh, uh, you know, mm-hmm. it's still hovering around that uh, that uh, uh, freezing mark. Uh, we want to say uh, again. Well, sure, pardon me. Yeah, make sure to follow us on Facebook, everybody, and um, we have more information coming in July. Amy just made a new Facebook page, and so <laughs> there's going to be. Lots of opportunities to uh, stay tuned and to ask us questions too, because we have um, we really hope that lots of folks um, come out and and we want to support the work that everyone's doing. So absolutely, sounds wonderful. Um, uh, so, uh, Dr. Lindsay Lachance, uh, once again, I want to say Niawa Miigwech and Wanishi for joining us on the line and uh, ex- uh, telling us about uh, the new department uh, at the National Arts Center for the for the Indigenous uh, Department and uh, the new uh, launch that is coming up for the new season, and that is Mushkama, and that is Indigenous Arts Rising, September 12th to the 29th of 2019 in Ottawa at the National Arts Centre. Much appreciated for your time, and uh, take care. We sure hope to uh, speak with you again to give us uh, another update, or perhaps we can get Kevin on the line at a future date as well. That sounds great, Miigwech. Okay, and that was uh, Dr. Lindsay Lachance. She's the Associate artistic associate, rather, uh, from the National Arts Centre. We're going to take a break, and I think we're going to go to a song, and then we're going to come back with our next guest, who is in the studio with us. And uh, that guest is uh, Marcela Ortega, and he is the director of The Guardian of Memory. It's a uh, a new doc- documentary. It's premiering, world premiering, at the Hot Docs Festival. Uh, he will be joining us in a moment. Don't go away. And welcome back to Moment of Truth and Element FM. I'm your host, David Moses. You are listening in Toronto and Ottawa, 95.7 
in Ottawa and 106.5 in Toronto on Element FM. That is E-L-M-N-T-F-M. You could also be listening on the Radio Player Canada app if you download that app and type in one of those two numbers for the stations and E-L-M-N-T-F-M. You can listen on your choice of device across the country. Want to thank our last caller for calling in, uh, talking about the National Arts Centre. And at this point, I want to welcome our next guest in the studio with us. And I've already made a mistake, um, and uh, that's that's uh, for I'm unfortunately uh, uh, was mistaken in Marcella. Marcella, uh, welcome to the program, or should I say, Buenos dias. Buenos dias. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's wonderful that you're able to join us. I, I really appreciate you taking the time to do so. Oh, thank you. Thank you for inviting me. So, now, I had a, a quick look at your film. Ah, could you say the name? It's The Guardian of Memory. Uh-huh. El, el Guardian... No, I'm not going to attempt it. How do you say that in Spanish? <laughs> el Guardian de la Memoria. Ah, yeah, sounds great when you say it. Wonderful. <laughs> and now, this this film, uh, the title is... Re- after you, you see the film, it certainly makes a lot of sense about why it is called The Guardian of Memory. Um, and it's a it's sort of a longing for these people that are trying to get back to where their their home or where their roots are, or basically. But it's a very interesting film in terms of why that exile has taken place, how these people are trying to get back, and it, and it, and in some ways, the film uh, not not just focuses on this, but it, it's through the eyes of uh, an attorney who is is helping people to try and get back. But you also, of course, hear about some of the people and you speak with some of the people that are affected and the stories they've shared about uh, the time when things were much more peaceful, when Mm -hmm. they went before all of this happened. And there's a very touching couple of moments when you hear this one woman woman looking for a blouse, you know, a top that she was Mm -hmm. wearing and she couldn't find it and realizing that it was left behind. Exactly. Uh, It's very touching. Um, realizing that that it's those little simple things mm-hmm. that we really a- attach ourselves to, and and make things all that more real, and and it's the separation of saying it's just there, but I can't get there. So you know uh, we're talking about an area um, between the U.S. and Mexico border, um, where I'm going to let you sort of describe that more, but I think I know why you decided to make this film. Uh, it, it is the area, or or one of the areas, I guess, where the wall is going to be, or exactly. considered to be built. Exactly. And I'm sure that these people were not happy to hear that. Um, it, it's uh, so. So I think that, as I said, that seems like the 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 initial sort of idea behind perhaps why this was going to be made as a film. Um, when you when you took that idea and started to explore it, did you already know some of these people, or did you know this area? Did you know this was happening, or is this something that you discovered as you were going through the process? Well, that's part of the things that made me get into this project mm. because nobody knows know these people in Mexico. Mm. I didn't know that there were Mexicans asking, seeking for asylum, political mm. asylum in Mexico. Right. Yeah. The, uh, I mean, in the United States. Mm. Because apparently in Mexico there is not, there is not a civil war or anything. So mm. why asking, seeking right. for political asylum? Yeah. And um, so I started to do my research. I met Carlos, the lawyer, mm. and um, uh, and I found a, a 
huge, well, not huge, but a very interesting community and uh, lots of things going on there. But also what I found, it's an explanation of the violence in Mexico. Yes, and that that's where this really gets interesting because it's it really sheds new light on what we in the larger community have heard about these things in the past. Do you care to expand on that a little bit and tell us? Yeah, but it, it's not only the we in Mexico don't know didn't know what or we don't know what was going on. I mean, we heard the news in the news, the deaths uh, mm. or the mm-hmm. violence, everything. Yeah. But 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 why? Yeah, that's something that we never understood, and I didn't until I met Carlos. Mm. And the first time he said, "Well, this is um, this is a, a genocide going on in Mexico," and I said, "No, no there's no way." But it, it's true; mm. it's really true. And then he explains that um, that there's the is. He says there there is not a round table with uh, politicals and um, drug dealers or cartels and businessmen uh, deciding what what are we going to do. But they they take advantage of all of the all of this the violence. Yeah, and uh, all the commercial or um, economic reasons that they are uh, taking place in that specific part of the um, mm. border. Mm. And uh, so he explains everything very well and very clear. And at the beginning, you you can think that it's a conspiracy theory, but it's not. Yeah, that's exactly right. You you begin to think it's that they're all working together on this or or something like that. But but it just seems like, as you said, they're all taking advantage of the situation in their own ways. Exactly. And and that sort of makes it all the more sort of sad in in a way, you know? Yeah, it's terrible, terrible. Yeah. Because when you listen to the stories, and it's all, it's all for that. I mean, it's just like... And I don't know, um, when I started the project, the the wall, the pr- wall project wasn't... Mm. Ah. I mean, it was Obama. Oh, right. But Trump was just mm. about to mm-hmm. win the elections. And so it became worse mm. with Trump. So when you spoke with these people, uh, I, 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 did, um, did Carlos introduce you to some of these people? Yes. Okay, because he was dealing with them, yes? Yeah. yeah. So were you surprised to hear the things that they were telling you? Not the stories, but it's not the same to read them mm. in the newspapers yes. or or to do the research yes. in your home and then to listen to the mom that just mm. lost her two sons. Yeah. And that she has to pass seventeen days doing all the investigations for the police, and mm. you know, like uh, it's not the same just to listen to the people. Yeah. And something very important is that w- we know the, the the statistics in Mexico and the numbers of deaths or people disappearing, but it's but but when you listen to them, then the statistics they they stopped being just numbers. Mm. Were you so how long how long have you been working on this? When did you start it? I started the research I started in um to in two thousand and fourteen. So it has been since the beginning for five mm-hmm. five years. Five years. Mm-hmm. 
you say you weren't surprised about the stories or the deaths, but I, I get a sense though when I when I was when I was hearing about all these things, and 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 tying in the history of the cartels and and all of these other things, that it, it seemed like a, a lot of people were were either disappearing or losing their lives for either very minor things that just didn't seem to make sense. Mm-hmm. So I think the problem is that we have this official version of, oh, if, he de- if he's dead, it's because he was mm. in something wrong or mm. he was with the cartels or, or he was, uh, it was a confusion. Mm. But when, when I start to listen to the stories, it's not that. It's, it's just like I had the sense that someone just uh, left the, the yeah, just like, yeah. Uh, and it was like a chaotic thing. But in another way, it was, everything was like very, it wasn't chaotic at the end, but it was like very um, organized. Mm. So, um as Carlos says, is 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 not organized crime, but authorized crime. Uh, yeah, yeah, interesting. And you know, the um, uh, the stories though, when you hear about the 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 police, the federal, mm-hmm. you know, the arm, and and they're mo- going in and stealing things from people's mm-hmm. homes and mm-hmm. just taking things and mm-hmm. taking computers, and it's like this abuse of power, right? Complete com- abuse of power. It, that's what I what I mean when they just yeah. lose the, or they left the dogs mm. go and find whatever they mm. they want to. Mm. Uh, it's and it it apparently it's chaotic, but I think somebody has to lose the dogs. Somebody had them and then right. just throw them yes. there. And yeah, and it's it's a story of impunity, um, police, the army. The cartels, and mm-hmm. if the police and the army do that, well, anybody can do anything. And that's the other nice thing about this is that it does fill in that past of some of the things that we talk, you know, we hear, we've heard about in the news, and some of the things that have happened in the past. And it ties in uh, people from other countries as well, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. uh, who have ended up in Mexico and, and, and some of the things that have happened that way. So it really is, uh, uh, it, it does uh, fill in a lot of those gaps for people. Now, we have to take a pause. So mm-hmm. I want to take a take, we have to take a break, but we will, we will be right back on Moment of Truth. Our guest in the studio right now is Marcela Ortega. 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 Okay, thank you. You say it much better than I do, of course. And uh, we'll be right back after this on Moment of Truth. Welcome back to Moment of Truth on Element FM. You are listening in Toronto and Ottawa, 95.7 in Ottawa, 106.5 in Toronto. And of course, if you have downloaded the Radio Player Canada app, you can be listening anywhere across the country on your choice of device uh, by just uh, typing in 95.7 ELMNTFM or 106.5 ELMNTFM. I'm your host, David Moses, and I want to just to welcome once again our guest who is in the studio with me, and she is the, uh, the director and uh, writer for The Guardian of Memory, and it is Marcela Ortega. And uh, she is here to, and we were speaking about this film. It's a documentary, and it's about specifically. We've all heard about the wall being built between Mexico and the United States, and she uh, took it upon herself to to explore that area 
and what she uh, uh, she actually ended up uh, meeting some people who are in exile. Now that's the interesting side of this because it's kind of a reversal of of things. So how did you how did you how did you f- uh, find those details? Uh, as you say, you know, Mexico is not in a civil war. There's no, you know, why are you in political exile? So can you tell us how did these people end up being told it's more advisable for you to leave, right? How did that happen? Why? Well, some of them just ran away mm. because they were saving their lives. Yes. But but the interesting thing is that some of them, the, the police tell, told them, you know what, you better leave. I can just take you to the border and that's it. I cannot mm. uh, protect you. And uh, and some of them, the the police gave them the lawyer's name mm, and lawyers. That's right. Yeah. So uh, and if when the police is taking you is telling you that they cannot protect you. Yeah. And those are the good ones. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Then you can't do anything. So you have to just and the the nearest place for them is. Uh, the United States, yes. because they are in the north of Mexico. Yeah. Yeah. But also, their stories are if if the if the military or the army is is uh, pursuing you, then there's no way where in Mexico where you can go. Mm. So they living. And, and and you know, again, I, um, I'm I'm wondering, can you share with with uh, some our listeners about? why these people were being told that, you know, we can't protect you, but protect you from what? Mm-hmm. Right? What, what is it that, that people were running from? Well, first of all, uh, violence. Mm. But then they started to... Uh, when you when you got... When something happens to you, the first thing you, you do is going to the police. Yeah. And then they start to discover that the police... <laughs> are not the right people to exactly. go to. So when... If you, when you find yourself in that situation, well, the only thing is to run away mm-hmm. and fast. Right. So it goes back to the corruption. Exactly. And, and corruption, impunity, mm-hmm. and uh, I, I think Carlos says says it or explains it very well with the um, authorized. Yes. Um, uh, authorized oh, right. crime <laughs> or. Uh, Authorized violence or no? no uh, organized. He says that in Mexico there is no author, uh, organized crime, right. but authorized, authorized crime. crime. Yes. And uh, I think that the the best um, organized crime in Mexico is politics. <laughs> mm. Mm. And But also, as he says, um, he says that in Mexico the human rights are violated uh, by ignoring the law mm. and in the united states the human rights are violated violated by um how do you say like uh, with the law uh, the yes. law is a tool yes. for yes. those violations because yes. when these people leave mexico then they go to the united states and seek for asylum mm. and uh, 99% of mexican asylum is denied mm. And and half of the people that appears in the film mm. were deported to Mexico, even if their asylum process is still going on. Oh. 
So it's not because they denied the asylum, but it's mm. because they decide they can do that. Mm. Mm-hmm. And it's on the law. I mean, they right. they can just yeah. What what is the what is the the name of the town, uh, and the the other town in uh, Texas? It's the Texas, right? It's Texas. Yes. Yeah. In Mexico is Guadalupe, mm-hmm. and in the other side is Fabens. Fabens, right? And um, so that's where this is taking place, as we're hearing now. The other thing I want to mention is that, of course, we're talking about the stories, we're talking about the people, we're talking about about what this film is about, but it is a film. And uh, that being said, um, what Marcel has, has done with her filming technique and with, uh, with the images that she brings forth is, um, you know, for this kind of a subject, you don't want to say, you could say beautifully shot, but you don't want to say beautifully shot because it's appropriate and... and What's the word? <laughs> it's, it's, it's sensitively, sensitively shot for the shots that need to to um, uh, back up what you're doing and, and and what you're emphasizing, and and you do get to see some very, uh, you know, some stark images, but they're 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 images that that create more of the sense of what the story is you're trying to tell about the people and where the area is that they come from. Um, there's some really interesting shots, some aerial shots. I guess they're drone shots, mm-hmm. maybe. Um, but also just some, some of the, uh, the panning um, and, and some of the other uh, things that you've done. That, that, there's a, a small model home, I think. Yeah, exactly. Used, which is really yeah. very neat the way that is done. Um, so congratulations on, on all of that in that you're in the Thank way you. that you've put this whole story together. Thank you. Well, I <clears throat> that's the way I do my films. I mean, this mm. is not the first time I do mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. And I always look for for something that can like uh, make you understand more deeply mm. and with the feelings or sensations m- more than just somebody explaining you mm. what's the feeling because as you said at the beginning the 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 yellow blouse mm. it's more powerful than mm. anything that anyone can tell you mm. and um so i i i try i i do the research and then i start to think and it's just something like I I don't mentalize it mm. a mm. lot. I just feel what what mm. what could be, and the small house. It's it's the house that we all have inside uh, us, and uh, and yeah. we take it wherever sure. we go. Right. Yeah. That's that's one thing. It's home. It's it's uh, home exactly yeah. Yeah, exactly, yeah. and um, but then lots of nice things happens because I thought to do a, a spinal vertebra, you said? A yeah. spinal yeah, yes. of suitcases. Mm. And, I, and I did it mm. and we shot it. And after that, the, the same lady said to us that she dream, dream about she carrying two suitcases. Uh. So I said, well, I'm doing something right uh. because uh, it, it was, you know, it's like a Kind of the what they dream of, yes. or what they feel, right. or what it helps bring those those emotions to a visual element that exactly. is incorporated. 
Yeah, there's there's a number of very strong images, uh, not only mentally that are created, as you mentioned, from the woman talking about the blouse, but uh, some of the other uh, images uh, that even uh, start to set up something that not yet has been talked about. But it, you know, thinking about the, the bird's head mm-hmm. and the and the mirror on the ground, which exactly. is a beautiful shot. That's that's very. Uh, you know, that's a very stark uh, and, and very powerful image as well. What what do you hope for this film? I hope that a lot of people watch the film, or but not because I want to the publicity or whatever, mm-hmm. because I want, if nobody knows these people, they have to know what is going on in Mexico. Mm. In Mexico and abroad, mm. And if you knew what was going on, then you have to do something. You can't just shut your eyes and go home and say, oh, okay. That's, and if you knew, not to forget about that. Because as they say in the film, I thought that Carlos, the, the, the lawyer, was the guardian of, of mm. memories because he is doing that. He's mm. like, a, just by taking this people and helping them mm. he's like collecting their stories yes. not to be forgotten mm-hmm. but also but what one of them said to me is no you are the guardians of mm. memories i will tell you this story yeah. but please don't forget it yeah. and tell the world that yeah. this is going on you know the other thing that that when you say that comes to mind is is the uh the i remember hearing this said to me at some point once you once you know once you've been told you can't say you're you're ignorant of that anymore mm-hmm. you can't because now you know exactly so you can't use that as an excuse exactly yeah. exactly and uh, bringing this to people's attention certainly does bring other and and some historical things that are not that long in the past it does bring those things and and flesh them out more and give them give more of a story and understanding to to the you know a very sad um, situation in in many ways, but you know, as you said, there's some some nice things, and and you you set that up by talking about what it was like before for these people, the the lives they had, you know, the the peace, the peace they had, and they, that's something that's repeated about it was peaceful. We had families, mm-hmm. you know, I wouldn't be afraid to get down to the market and buy something, and then you know, I'm back at home, and so uh, those kind of that kind of sense, and then how it breaks down. Which is that nice uh, line that you start to thread throughout this as well, and and how it gets more complicated and just kind of, you know, over time just kind of disintegrates and, and falls into this. Exactly as you say, it's not uh, it's not organized; it's authorized, and um, and and it is uh, and and the 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 um, the lawyer does bring a, a very unique uh, voice uh, mm-hmm. and perspective to mm-hmm. all of this as well, even his own story. Even his own story, yeah. Because he sets that up in terms of being knowing what it's like to be different and outside, looking in almost. Exactly. Know, and being uh, um, uh, prejudiced against mm-hmm. and, and learning that because he didn't initially know what it, that was like. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So uh, what were the difficulties for you in making this film? <laughs> the difficulties, well... First of all, listening to the stories, mm. and uh, because then you don't know 
I mean, you feel impotent and you want course, to do yeah. something. Yeah. And then I, I felt that, oh, yes, I'm doing a film and, 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 and what? Mm. <laughs> uh, but then I, I realized that that's the only tool I have to do something. Yes. Or, or at least I think that's the most powerful tool yes. I have to yep. do something. Uh-huh. And um, that's in terms of the... of of being human mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. in terms of of the film was to put together the stories of the people which are very hard or sad mm. and not losing the lawyer mm. b- not making them compete in the story mm. as characters uh, yeah sure so i had to found found find a balance mm. between them mm. and not And I didn't want them to be the explanation of what he was telling or explaining. Right. Right. So, and I think we we did it very well. Mm. That was, I think that was the, the, the hardest part. And then we were a little afraid of shooting, being shooting in Mexico, mm. especially in... Uh, Not in Mexico, but mm. in in Guadalupe, mm. we had. Mm. I said we have to go there. We, right. we we can't just talk about this and not being there right. and not sure. at least pass through a small piece of what they were feeling. Mm-hmm. And so we went there, and it was at the beginning, and it was a bit scary. Then we mm. you just normalized mm-hmm. things. And then at the end, it was like the sun was going down and we had to run away because the, the big trucks started to uh, go past. The and, evening was uh, yeah. coming and that was, that's pointed out a couple of times about don't go out after the sun goes exactly. down. Yeah. Exactly. How long were you there? Was it just one day you were shooting? In there? Guadalupe, we, yeah. we, we were there two days, but mm. we didn't spend the night there. Right, okay. And uh, the shooting was all from one year, mm-hmm. but we, we haven't been there the whole year. Right. Did did the people who participated this have they seen the film? Yes. And and what? oh no 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 the the characters yes no I will show them uh, in two weeks okay. in El Paso. Okay. Very nice. Um, we're almost out of time. I'm wondering if there's something else you would like to mention about the film that we haven't touched on. Well, that uh, it's it, the, screenings? the screenings, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, of course. Next Saturday. <laughs> yes, um, we have um, the Saturday, May 4th at 1 p.m. at the Tiff Bell Lighthouse Lightbox Theater, uh, 2. Then on Tuesday, it, well, that's uh, that. So it's just the this one yeah. on Saturday. And it's also uh, in the running for International Spectrum. Exactly. Yeah, so congratulations on that and, and all the best of luck with it. Thank Now, you. are there going to be other screenings that you know of or where people can might be able to, to see this coming up in the future? Well, not yet. Not yet. I don't know. Okay. Yeah. Um, anything else you want to mention, though, about the about this? or Is there going to be a, a, a Q&A or a question, uh, period after I'll the I'll be there. Uh-huh. The, the festival is not organizing it because I already did that. Uh-huh. But I'll be there. So okay. if somebody wants to talk to me, or I'll be there. Okay. And there's four tickets if somebody wants to. Oh, four tickets. And how do <laughs> yeah. they get them? I, le- I left them here. Okay. Well, you can get them. But we'll give those numbers out and have people call in if they're <laughs> interested. Uh, we have been talking with Marcela Ortega, and she is the uh, filmmaker for The Guardian of Memory. And you can see that on Saturday, May 4th, 1 p.m. at the Bell Tiff 
Lighthouse, Lightbox Theater 2. Uh, Marcella, thank you so much for coming in. And, thank uh, you. Gracias. 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 Muchas gracias. <laughs> Thanks again. Thank you.